0: I know when you're the person on the other end, it feels like I called, I want them to come here right away, but we do have to prioritize because they have very limited resources.
1: I think if I were to do it again, I would invite people in to be more equity uh, partners uh, in the enterprise. It's like you want to join, great. Um, You know, your piece at the beginning is X percent, and every year you stay with me, it grows higher. That's Seattle Police Chief. Carmen Best, followed by Pete Delaney,
2: Seattle entrepreneur and communications expert. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best addressed the Seattle Rotary Club recently She spoke about the Seattle Police Department's efforts in fighting crime and how they are combating homelessness. Now, uh, combating homelessness may be too harsh, or maybe it's better to say how they are assisting the city in this situation. Today, I'm not playing her speech, but I am playing the Rotary Club members' questions. I think you'll hear from the questions, a lot of frustration in how the city and maybe the county and the state are handling homelessness. Pete Delani is CEO of Delani Communications. I asked him what he would do differently if he were starting a business today. Now, if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, I think you'll benefit from hearing his insights. Dan Butner, National Geographic Fellow, will join us briefly and talk about the myth of exercise. Doesn't mean you can sit on the couch all day, but I do think he has some very interesting insights on that subject. Last week, I asked listeners to express their views if they have seen improvements in the homelessness situation over the last year, or is it about the same as it's always been, or is it getting worse? Several people did respond, and I will broadcast their views today. Now, for this question of the week. Seattle has taken a beating over the last several years about its quality of life, and homelessness is a big reason why. There's also discussion of gridlock, cost of living, what I'd like to ask you for this week is where have you seen Seattle improve? Has it all been negative? Let me throw this into the mix where I think Seattle has improved a great deal. Earlier this year, the tunnel opened up and it replaced the viaduct. I think that has been a magnificent improvement. I think you can clearly see how nice the waterfront and the downtown are integrating together. So call 425-653-1166. And leave your thoughts on that. That's 425-653-1166. Back with Police Chief Carmen Best in just a moment.
3: You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesofExperience.com. All one word.
4: Currently, what I'm seeing in the streets of Seattle, especially uh, north Seattle, in the uh, shoreline, and between shoreline and the uh, U District, has been an increase in the number of uh, tents and uh, people living under trees and underpasses uh, in the past two years. I haven't seen the number decline. I've actually seen the number increase. Uh, That's been my experience and observation from where I'm living. Uh, I don't know what is driving this increased migration and movement uh, of individuals in Seattle, but from my point of view, it's increasing and not getting better. Thank you.
2: Carmen Best, Seattle Police Chief, recently addressed the downtown Seattle Rotary number four. Chief Best spoke about the challenges facing homelessness and crime in downtown Seattle and other concerns that were expressed during the luncheon. The following are some of the questions that were asked during the presentation by Police Chief Carmen Best. We'll start with a question from former Washington State Supreme Court Justice, Faith Ireland
4: and I want to put to you a question that's always put to me and that is uh, why can't the police just go and uh, arrest these people who are camping along uh, the entrance to I-90 and other places where they are a distraction to drivers and where you can see that conditions are horrible and
0: uh, dangerous yeah well uh, for I don't know which area you're talking about, but some of that area isn't even in our jurisdiction. If you want to know the truth about it, some of it is Seattle property and some of it is uh, Washdot property. So there's a jurisdictional jurisdictional issue. But beyond that, you know, one of the things that we have to do, and there's a lot of rules around, you know, what we can and cannot do. So first of all, when we arrest people, for all, all every attorney in the room will, you know, we have to have probable cause that they're committing a crime or doing something to make an arrest. Um, and it has to be an arrestable offense for, if, before we do that. But also, when we're dealing specifically with homeless, the, um, the issues are around you know, the crime part of it. You know, it's just not a crime to be homeless. Some of the acts that homeless people do are crimes. Some of the acts employed people do are crimes. And those are things that we will arrest for. But in and of itself, that's not enough. And before we move people off of our encampments, we have what's called MDARS where we have to um, post and give them 72 hours' notice, offer services, and make sure that they have the ability to have a place before you know we move them along. So we know how important it is, and we know how much people really care about, you know what it looks like and also how we might be able to help. But that, I'm going to tell you point blank, that does not fall on the lap of the police department. That falls on the lap of everybody. These issues are so much more complex than anything else I've ever seen. So some of the people that we are addressing, and um, you know, I have Whole, I have 12 officers assigned to our navigation team, which deals specifically with, you know, encampments. It's under the Human Services Department, so there's social workers and outreach workers and everything, everything else, and police involved. Um, but you know, they had to follow those rules along the way. But some of those people are drug addicted, some are mentally ill, some are both. Some are criminals and they, they're preying on them. So there's all sorts of things happening there that we, we do our part to, to take part and assist. And we go to a lot of calls you know, that, to address these issues. But we have not found the answer yet. So I think that's why there's new legislation and all sorts of things occurring from a whole host of areas to try to help us do a better job. Because we, we haven't found the answer, we in Seattle. And I got to tell you, it's not just a Seattle issue. Drive to Portland or to San Francisco, or to Los Angeles, or to San Diego, or to Long Beach. And you're going to see our West Coast cities are all struggling with how we're going to address this in a humane way um, that that deals with some of these really complex issues. I mean, I wish I could just tell you this is what it's going to be, but it isn't. I will say this, though. um, When we see the tents blocking the sidewalks, we are trying to make sure that we have teams of folks go out and move them from blocking the sidewalks so that people can't have access way on the sidewalks. That is one of the areas that we, we are covering.
3: Chief Bez, thank you very much for being here, joining our club. Congratulations on your leadership, and especially on the crime reduction statistics you gave. So good work. You Um, you mentioned that this is a rough city to work in. I suspect most of us don't think this is a rough city. So beyond what you've said today, what is it that makes Seattle so? And then what is it that we might do as individuals or as a club to support the officers who are protecting us?
0: I don't think I use the word rough. Somebody roll the tape. <laughs> but but I do think I said we have our challenges for sure, and that, and we need to support uh, the men and women of the department, and you know some of that is just going to be doing investing in the department. Quite you know um, investing in, for example, a north precinct. You know we built the precinct in 1984 to house 250 people. We out capacity of the precinct is you know so it would be great if we had a place at North uh, that. You know, that was serviceable, you know, very serviceable for the officers and would allow us to grow. The North Precinct by itself would be the second largest city in the state. That's how many people live in North Seattle. You know, when you had University of Washington and all the folks up there, it's like 400,000 people. You know, so we should make sure that we invest and make sure that the officers are able to respond to and appropriately um, get to calls for service in that large geographical area. That would be one thing we finally got a contract yay because the officers were working for four years without a contract can you imagine on an officer's wages buying uh, you know, 2018 items at a 2014 you know paid, you know those types of things send a message to the cops about whether you support them or not so these are the things that we would ask people to help us with that we make sure that the environment that people work in is Welcoming and, and shows that we support them.
5: Thank you for your service and 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 for the service of your fellow uh, police department. Thank you. My question really focuses on the downtown core of Seattle.
0: No one ever asks about downtown. <laughs> and I am just you know. And that's
5: you know we see Macy's closing. Yeah. Um, I'm at a like many here I'm an original Seattleite and that's hard to take I know that there's factors regarding the big box uh, businesses are all having problems but I have to think that part of the problem is the crime in downtown Seattle and, and whether customers are not coming to downtown because of it what are we doing and what can we do to alleviate uh, some of the crime in the downtown core
0: well i gotta tell you we are working really hard on it i will say this i mean i'm from here too you know i remember my first credit card was a bon marche card so you remember know, it was the bond and then it became macy's and so i felt you know also a little bit of nostalgia about hearing that it was going away i will say this we are working very hard to address the, the very um important crime issues, especially with Third and Pike and Third and Pine. You know, your precinct commander right here, Tom Mahaffey, you know, we're working daily and he'll tell you he hears from me all the time. Who's out there? We're putting emphasis patrols out, bikes out, you know, making sure that we, you know, flood the area, working with the DSA and MID and every other organization that we can to try to have, you know, it's not going to be one size fits all, so we have to have collaboration. We don't have enough cops to stick them, you know, 40 cops on every corner every day. So we're going to have to find ways to work with the business owners, the residents and everything else to try to address some of the crime issues. And some and one of the reasons we put people down there extra uh, extra patrols cuz even though crime was down in the area and I said that and people almost, you know, took me off the stage, but it, I'm just looking at the data. It's down in the area, but the assaults were up. So even though overall crime was down, that particular area was up. And I can probably attribute that to you know, people with unpredictable behavior. We'll put it that way. So we added more officers down there specifically to address some of those issues. One of the reasons also that we're lobbying for uh, mental health providers and other because some of the crime issues, there's an intersection there with um, you know, mental health. I walk through that area all the time because I do hear the complaints. And I do hear that people are fearful um, in some ways. So I make it a point to go through myself. So, uh, uh, you know, please believe me when I say that we're paying as close attention, adding as many resources as we can. We have these, you know, really high profile incidents that occur, but we're a major city. You know, we're going to have these, these things are going to happen and on occasion, but it's how we respond to them. We had a shooting in the West Lake tunnel, right? I used to catch the bus every day. But we caught that person in, like, two days' time. Uh, My question has to do with the statistics that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And first, I
3: also want to say, like everybody else, I very much appreciate what you and everyone you work with do. I know it's so much more and above and beyond what I would ever be capable of doing, so thank you very, very much. Thank you for that. Um, With that, I'd like to... um, You mentioned crime was down 8%. My concern with that statistic is... is it? I'm concerned that it's not accounting for things like the dozens and perhaps hundreds of calls that I actually am aware of personally from my building where we live where I live and others that I know of where they have called in and have been refused when they have reported crime happening on Seattle property and nobody has actually come out about that call and so what I want to know is the 8% you quote does that the I imagine that that can't account for all those calls that have been refused or not answered. So that may not, I'm just questioning that. Um, My family, I've been here six generations, I'm a sixth generation Seattleite and I adore this city. I'm just very concerned that not all the numbers are being um, accounted for that way.
0: Yeah, well, here's how we count calls for service. People call into nine one one. It picks up and it's automated. Count for the call. So I have. I'm. I'm not. I'm confident. I'll put it that way. That we count. We're counting the numbers correctly. I guess what I would be curious about is, you know, what types of calls are are being refused. Does that just, you know, help me out with that.
3: Uh, yeah. Um, open drug use on Seattle property. Uh, that I I remodeled my place four years ago, and my contractors called me one time because there were people down on our front lawn shooting up that we did not know that were um, trespassing, mm-hmm. and they were using uh, illegal drugs openly uh, and writhing around on the lawn and into the streets. And that was just one example. We've had and someone refused.
0: They said we would we're just not we don't.
3: Mm-hmm. They did. And it happened again and again and again, dozens and dozens of times. And I'm a uh, female of small stature. I will not walk around in a bunch of the city streets downtown where I grew up. And it's, I'm concerned that not all of this is being accounted for. And so the 8% sounds great and I'm thrilled by that. I just don't think it can possibly, I don't think it's accurate. I'm so sorry. I mean, no disrespect. By that. No,
0: no. I, I listen. I hear a lot worse than that. I'm a cop. Believe you me, me. <laughs> that's light. <laughs> Give me something real. No. Uh, yeah. No. I, I hear you. I hear your frustration. I mean, a lot of people have those frustrations. You know, I'm happy to circle back. I will tell you. Here's what I know. Calls come in to 911. You call right now to 911. Somebody's picking up that phone. I KNOW THAT. and we ACTUALLY, JUST THIS MORNING, WE HAD OUR BI-WEEKLY, EVERY OTHER WEEK ON WEDNESDAY, WE HAVE OUR CRIME MEETING. JUST THIS MORNING, THEY WERE TALKING ABOUT SEATTLE DISPATCHERS HAVE THE HIGHEST RATE OF PICKUP AND CALL RETURNS THAN, than ANY OTHER PLACE. SO I KNOW WHEN they when YOU CALL 911 HERE, SOMEBODY'S PICKING UP AND TAKING THAT CALL. I'M NOT SURE THE NATURE OF YOUR CALLS. Um, I DO KNOW WE PRIORITIZE CALLS, YOU KNOW, JUST BY WAY OF EDUCATION, PRIORITY ONE, TWO, THREE, AND FOUR. AND SO A PRIORITY ONE CALL IS SOMETHING IN PROGRESS. Like, you know, somebody being assaulted in progress, a rape in progress, a robbery in progress, something like that. You're going to get people flying down there pretty quickly. Um, a priority. Four call, for example, would be a burglary that happened two days ago. It's like I, bro- I came home and my house is burglarized. Well, we'll get somebody there, but nobody's going to get hurt if we don't get there for another hour or two. So that's a priority four call. I know when you're the person on the other end, it feels like I called. I want them to come in here right away, but we do have to prioritize because they have very limited research- resources.
2: That's Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best. Answering questions from the Seattle Rotarians Number Four at a recent luncheon in downtown Seattle. Oh,
4: it's Neil Peterson calling in. Uh, thanks for the interview you did with Howard Wright. I thought it was terrific. Uh, you asked for some comments or observations. Uh, the one that I would make is that um, I think the human element uh, needs to be emphasized in the strategy for dealing with homelessness. What I mean by that is we've got 11,000 homeless in the seattle King County area. We've got um, well over, uh, you know, three-quarters of a million of uh, of adults in the area. That means there's something like 50 or 60 or 70 um, adults to every homeless person, and if 10% of the 60 or 70 would be willing to develop a relationship with each homeless person, I gotta believe that that would have a huge impact. And this is over and above, you know, the the centers, the the housing, and the um, other activities that are going on that Howard talked about. Um, I've just got to believe that uh, the lack of or the need for additional relationships has got to be a crucial factor in in not only how they're doing in their day-to-day life, whether they're homeless or not, but in their ability to, um, to do better, if that's what their goal is. So just a thought that there's a, a human piece of this that uh, I don't think gets emphasized enough, and I think there's a a bunch of stuff that we could all do that could be very, very helpful. Hope that's uh, uh, helpful to you. Take care.
2: is my guest and Pete Delani is the president of Delani Communications and he has been practicing in the Seattle area for over 20 years. I wanted to ask Pete about his view on what we call traditional media, let's say radio and TV, and will they have a place going forward? So traditional media will still have a major place and you envision it even getting stronger.
1: There's still going to be a lead. There's still going to be five W's that started out Uh, there's still going to be a headline. There still will be photos and captions that draw people into articles. You don't see that as much anymore. And partly that is as a result of, again, what I call the technology brotherhood, feeling as though they can pretty much do it all. And second only to that would be management, feeling as though their internal people can carry their communications forward. And, And sometimes they're able to do that But oftentimes, it's not as thorough or as well thought out.
2: If you were to look at going into business and you could turn back the clock, would you do it again?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's been a great experience. I've met some really interesting people. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes as a business person um, and feel somewhat taken advantage of, small business in particular, from you know, renting office space downtown and being exploited by brokers to, um, investing in copy machines and leases that go indefinitely and the equipment really doesn't work very well, um, to utilizing, uh, temporary employment agencies that rotate people into your office so you can train them so they can then leave and take a job somewhere else to, uh, you know, financial advisors who often have their own best interest in mind.
2: So this is a great deal of experience coming from you, obviously, and and lived it. So those will be caution flags for people to consider, getting into long-term leases or copy machines, whatever that may be. And that's a very good point. Never thought about temporary agencies per se. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, that would be something that people should, um, you know, really take a close look at because, yes... (laughs) I think three out of those four, I've done the same thing, you know, and probably the fourth if I really thought about it, but yes, the same things that you get involved in. I've moved out in the midnight two times in uh, offices in expensive downtown and just didn't go right. So, um, that's one of the things I believe in keeping your overhead really low in the beginning or even forever. I mean, uh, you should really take a look at that.
1: Any other things? I think the biggest challenge that I had uh, was um, hiring people. Hire someone, they come in, you train them. Six months later, they leave and join somebody else that's bigger. Um, I haven't had the situation where they've taken clients necessarily, but, you know, I have trained a lot of people for bigger uh, public relations agencies around the Northwest.
2: Do they ever send you a thank you note? (laughs) Never. (laughs) Would this be anything uh, that you'd suggest? I'm not reading, uh, trying to put words in your mouth, but perhaps hiring free agents, so to speak, that you don't hire as employees. Is there anything to be said for that?
1: Well, again, you know, outsourcing in that way, you run the risk of, one, they're not doing a thorough job and meeting your expectations. Two, potentially trying to take your clients from you. Um, I think if I were to do it again, I would invite people in to be more equity uh, partners uh, in the enterprise. It's like you want to join, great. Um, you know, your piece at the beginning is X percent and every year you stay with me, it grows higher uh, based on your performance and the revenue that you're generating, either incremental revenue from current clients or bringing in new new clients.
2: Uh, what's the future look for Pete Delani?
1: Well, I see myself growing to become a ghost blogger, a social media content provider. You know, I am done with uh, staff people per se and can apply my experience both as a reporter and as an advocacy journalist on behalf of an organization. I think a lot of CEO level people get into these um blog development and things like that, and uh, really find themselves um, at a loss for what's next. So it lasts for four to six weeks, and then it's like, what do I talk about now? Well, I hope you now have a little bit more understanding of one of our great
2: marketing professionals in the Seattle area. And uh, as I said at the beginning, he keeps up on everything that is happening in terms of the world of technology. That's Pete Delaney of Delaney Communications, based in Seattle.
4: Exercise is an unmitigated failure. We've been pushing exercise in this country for 65 years and it doesn't work. Diets don't work. Exercise programs don't work. In blue zones, where people are living the longest, they live in environments that every time they go to work, to a friend's house, or out to eat, it occasions a walk. They have gardens and their houses are deconvenient. Their life, so there isn't a button to push for yard work and housework and kitchen work. They're nudged into movement every 20 minutes. And if we want to fight this obesity, um, problem in our country. will take the focus off of trying to hound people to exercise more, which doesn't work anyway, even if you went to the gym every day, which people don't. We've got to engineer it back into our lives, and there are ways to do that.
2: That's Dan Buettner, National Geographic Fellow and founder of Blue Zones, which identifies locations around the world where people live longer and healthier lives.
4: Uh, this is Larry Kaufman, the publisher of the MarketingNW.com website, and uh, we've been running a series that, uh, that calls on the city of Seattle to take the lead in setting up a control center, much like the NASA control center, that would deal with the problem on a 24-7 basis. It's urgent. not the kind of thing that we can do on a bureaucratic level. I hope you'll check out the website. And uh, I think with, with all the resources that we have with the Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, that we could get the funding to create something that would, that would truly put Seattle in a leadership position in dealing with the, the homelessness problem, which is uh, only getting worse.
2: Well, that's it for today. All the time we have for this edition of Voices of Experience. My thanks to Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best, Pete Delaney, Dan Butner, and to the listeners who participated in our homeless question of the week. Question for this week coming up. In what areas do you think Seattle is getting better? Homelessness is a big issue, and I think a lot of people in the area believe that has brought down the quality of life over the overall region. But what is better about Seattle in the last year or so? My observation is the tunnel opened up earlier this year, and I think it is integrating downtown Seattle with the waterfront. So again, where do you think Seattle has improved? Call 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer of Voices of Experience. Have a great rest of the week.